We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your guest host, Chad Jensen. With me is the senior draft analyst. Been with me the longest of all the dudes at MHH. Eric Trickle. Eric, bro, how you feeling, dude? How's your week been? <laughs> My week has been long, doing two morning shows with Scott and filling in for Nick, and just long nights, early mornings. It's been a long week. I'm ready for it to be over, and I'm ready to get some sleep as well. Yeah, we need we need Nick to get his podcasting act together, man. <laughs> throwing everybody's him between him and Lance, all of our schedules getting thrown out of whack. Eric's having to work overtime over here. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love Nick. Nick's the man. I don't know what we do without Nick. That's the honest to God's truth. <laughs> um, guys, this is Dove Valley Deep Divers. Before we get fully into things tonight, we're going to go through some matchups. We're going to talk some Broncos, Jets. Make sure you're following the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast account. In fact, if you're on this stream and you have a Twitter account and you're not following the Dove Valley Deep Divers Twitter account, I'm disappointed in you. I am. I follow it at DVDD underscore pod. Easy to remember. Give it a follow. Follow my partner here, Eric Trickle, at Eric Trickle. That's Eric with a C-K and Trickle, T-R-I-C-K-E-L. Myself, at Chad and Jensen, and our illustrious producer, a.k.a. Mr. Producer, Scott Kennedy on Twitter, at Scout Kennedy. Easy to remember that one as well. Uh, While you're here, guys, it's a small thing you can do to help us out. Make sure you leave a like on the video if you're on YouTube or Facebook. Even if you disagree with our takes, the very least, if you respect the effort, drop a like because uh, it really does help us grow and reach other like-minded Broncos fans just like you who are out there wandering the football wilderness, completely ignorant and oblivious that this community is here waiting to embrace them. Eric, first things first, what matchup Broncos-Jets? I'll, I'll, I'll go through some of the uh, head-to-heads that we touched on last night, but first things first because you had a great your weekly article previewing the matchups that will dictate the game. I always love reading those. I get to read them as I copy edit them and get them published. Uh, very edifying. But what's the what's the one matchup between these two teams that's keeping you up a little bit? Quinn and Williams against anyone on the interior offensive line. I like Quinn Miners. He's definitely the best of them. But there are still moments where 
you could see that he potentially is going to give up a, a pressure and there was multiple times against the Chargers where there was an opportunity for it, but he wasn't necessarily facing the best interior pass rusher. He just kind of got out of hand, and then he was able to recover because of the lack of speed. Quentin Williams doesn't have that issue, so all three of them is not the best matchup of Quentin Mil- with against Quentin Williams, and that is the one that I think is, that keeps me up the most. I remember talking to that kid at the 2019 Combine. That's the year he came out, right, out of, out of Bama? Sounds and- right. He his mouth was full of braces, and I'm like, this dude's about to go make many tens of millions of dollars. He's gonna be a top five pick, and he reminds me of my teenage son, mouth full of braces. He looked so, I mean, he's a big giant man even then, uh, but he looked so young for uh, what he was about to set off to do. You know, throwing his hat in the ring for the NFL. But yeah, he is a terrifying, terrifying matchup, Eric. Especially when you consider, I mean. The Mile High Huddle podcast, Zach and I, we've been advocating for the Broncos to shake up the O-line since, I think, the San Francisco game, all right? I know you guys have talked about it. I don't know what these guys are seeing, these coaches in Denver, that make them think Lloyd Cushenberry and Dalton Reisner are given the best chance to win. But as you wrote in your article uh, today, Eric, if they do end up succumbing to this matchup because Quinn and Williams is a beast, got to make some changes up front, but... Do you really expect this coaching staff to do that? No, I don't. I think that I think Lloyd Cushenberry is cemented as at the at as center simply because we heard about it throughout the offseason. There was talk that some on the coaching staff wanted Graham Glasgow at center, others wanted Quinn Miners. But the thing is, is Lloyd Cushenberry is shortened Russell Wilson after dealing with a tall center and for so long in Seattle, didn't want a tall center in Denver. Like they keep catering to Russell Wilson, so I think that they'll keep doing that. Lloyd Cushenberry staying cemented at the center position, whereas Dalton Reisner, I think if Tom Compton is able to come back, then maybe we see something shake up there. I think that he was brought in to compete for that left guard spot more so than right tackle. But without him, it's just a matter of Dalton Reisner. They're going to try to get him to step up because he's a free agent. Don't expect him back and try to get something in a compensatory pick in 2024 for him. Let's grab this super chat from Jason, and then we got a quick matter of business that we're going to get to. Jason, thank you, buddy, for being with us. Always so consistent in contributing to the conversations, listening into the pods, and then engaging with us on social media after the fact, keeping the conversation going. We appreciate that, Jason. He says, how did we get here? Please make this pain go away. Keep up the great work, guys. Uh, Jason and Marquette. I don't know what that last part means. I'm absent. My syntax interpreter, my C-3PO, Zach Kelberman's not here. But do you know what he means by Jason and Marquette? I'm wondering if Marquette is a kid or a significant other and they're both watching. Maybe it's a shout out. Yeah, that'd be cool. If so, shout out. Yeah, appreciate that. It is kind of crazy to think, Jason, how did we get here after six years of depredations? Looks like the clouds part and the football gods drop on you, pour you out a blessing in the form of a franchise quarterback, nine-time Pro Bowler, entering his 11th year, and you're like, all downhill from here, psych. It's been frustrating. It's been all those things, and we're going to continue breaking it down. We'll get we'll get to it more here in just a moment. But first, listen up, guys. This is a true story, all right? If you're like me, you are getting increasingly more concerned about cybercrime. I just had my credit card number thieved uh, just the other day. In fact, my bank took care of business, but cybercrime, people stealing your data, invading your privacy. But here's the problem. I'm not the most tech savvy guy. 
That's why I now use NordVPN on all my browsers, whether it's my desktop, tablet, laptop, phone. And VPN, for those who don't know, stands for Virtual Private Network. And NordVPN protects you as a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity. It's incredibly easy to use, which means you don't need to have a degree from MIT to figure it out. With just one click, I'm protected. It's very intuitive to use. And with my NordVPN account, I can have up to six different devices protected. No longer have to worry about the hackers, the malicious sites, the pop-ups for the price gang of a single cup of coffee per month. All right. I have complete peace of mind knowing that my devices and data are protected. Eric. Yeah, Broncos country. So go to nordvpn.com slash huddle and get your exclusive NordVPN deal. And you get a huge discount off your NordVPN plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash huddle to get four months for free. Slash MHH. Sorry, sorry. NordVPN slash MHH. It's all good, though. Guys, so many of you, I've actually gotten some feedback on this from the our ad partner, NordVPN. They've been stoked and stunned at how many of you have pounced on this. It's a no-brainer. I wish I would have had it even just a couple weeks ago. It ended up being uh, no harm, no foul in terms of the credit card getting the number somehow getting stolen, blocked, no problem, got me a new one. But it just so happened about that time, cross paths with NordVPN as a potential ad partner, and voila, I'm so glad we did. So as uh, Eric mentioned, it is easy to remember. All right, nordvpn.com slash MHH. Okay, let's dive back into this conversation here, Eric. This... Uh, there's a there's a thread I kept picking up on, and it's a it's kind of a what's a what's the word I want to use? Not a rumor. It's probably got more teeth to it than a, a mere rumor. But this idea percolating within the football world that one of the reasons we're seeing Russell Wilson struggle to the degree that he is is that he didn't want to be known as a dual threat guy. He wanted to be in the same conversation as the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's and the Aaron Rodgers as a pocket passer as a quarterback who can win from the pocket but seattle they never really wanted to play ball with him on that front so when he came to denver by golly that's what he wanted and that hackett is just kowtowing to it and just letting him kind of just kind of scheming things to whatever russ wants which on one hand right makes a lot of sense you want to do the things that your quarterback says he wants to do that makes him comfortable all those things but what you bring up uh eric is that obviously he's not really cut out to be a pure pocket passer we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I think there's a lot of legs to that. I mean, the few times we saw him in Seattle where the whole that's where the whole let Russ cook movement comes from is he wants to be a pocket passer. He doesn't want the moving pockets. He wants to be more of a passing offense than a running offense. That's where that all comes from is him wanting to be that. He wants to be Peyton Manning. He wants those MVPs. That was a big point of contention there with the um, Seahawks is that. He, they felt that he wanted the MVPs more than team success. So they wanted to do that, but they would let him go. And then they just pull the reins and go back to doing what they're doing. And you'd see Russ recover and start doing better. And we're having that issue. The offense is, was made with Russell Wilson to do what he wants to do, even though it's not what he can do. And it's time that we get away from that. And he needs to realize he needs to have the self-awareness that it, is winning actually important or is it the MVP? Because if winning is important as it should be, then you're going to want to do what you can do and help this team win. Listen, I don't blame him. I want to grab this from Savage Boy Kev, who's also just legit consistent every night. I don't blame Russ for wanting to spread his wings a little bit. I don't blame Russ for thinking maybe, hey, if I had the opportunity, I could do these things that these other guys are doing. But as you say, Eric, in the face of reality, and reality bites, dude. I mean, reality is what it is. He's just not that caliber quarterback. Maybe it has to do with his measurables, you know, the fact that he's on the shorter side. Maybe it has to do with the fact that he can't freaking read the field. I mean, this dude's vision, Eric. Everybody's going, what the heck? How is it that Russell Wilson looks like a worse quarterback when it comes to reading defenses and I'm not just talking about like coverages, which is bad enough, but missing receivers, missing pressure pre-snap in terms of not sliding protections and just like deer in the headlights. Who expected Russell Wilson to be this little fawn, you know, little baby tiny Bambi that doesn't know which way is up? It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, Seattle, with the moving pockets, they did so much to help him out by cutting the field in half. You're making a high-low read then instead of having to fully read it. And you can get away with his issues reading defenses pre-snap by doing that, which is all the more reason Denver needs to go to it. And the ultimate evidence we have of Wilson's issues reading it is these missed receivers because the big ones, the one I think it was against the Texans to Javante Williams where he was open in the middle. We had the one to Greg Dulcich in the last game, the KJ Hamler for the winner, um, against the Colts all of yep. these should have been earlier in his progressions because of what the defense was showing pre-snap but he missed it and he locked on elsewhere I mean KJ Hamler Jerry Judy it was man coverage very obvious man coverage with how the defense shifted with emotion and he locks in on Sutton who was your zone beater route instead of your man beater route of Judy and Hamler so it's just these issues of it that he can't He's not. He's always been questioned about how well he can actually read a defense pre and post snap, which is why there's also all these issues with it. How, what can he see? I've seen a lot of people talking about with the whole Hamler play that he couldn't see him because you had Graham Glasgow six foot six and Cameron Fleming, who's what six foot six, six foot seven, mm -hmm. just blocking his line of sight. Neither Russ or Hamler are you know exactly very tall, so 
there's all these issues for it that again going to this thing of moving the pocket having him scramble out you can see more success from him because these issues that you, he has you're taking them away or covering them see and i feel you we're all scratching our heads trying to figure out what the the issue is but i, I don't know there's something about i don't think it's his, it's the the size thing drew Brees crushed it from the pocket they're about the same size let's grab savage boy and we'll move on in the conversation here he says i've seen some film uh, for Quinn Miners, and I ask, should Miners be moved to center because he gets good push? Eric, what do you think? I, I would leave him at guard and just let him grow and continue to develop. But, and, and the thing is, if you're moving to center, you're putting Graham Glasgow in. And while I think, as Scott and I talked yesterday morning, I do think that Graham Glasgow is the best of the three, but it's like arguing which turd is the shiniest. And so you're not really making your offensive line any better. It's a lateral move. And actually, it can make it worse because he's just not very comfortable or familiar with the center position. Garth, thank you for the super chat, bro. He says, I'm with Jason. Help the pain go away. Well, that's part of why we do these podcasts, by the way, is to help kind of mitigate the sting of when things aren't going well. All right. It's, it's the whole kind of therapeutic, cathartic process of commiseration. And then when things are going well, we're here to celebrate. It's like the same feeling of if you've ever been to a concert with one of your favorite bands or artists, you're going to see them and you're in the crowd with hundreds or thousands of people or whatever. You don't know any of these people, but you're all singing along to the same song and you look at each other and you're like, yeah, this song rules and you're all stoked. It's the same thing. So when the Broncos win, we're those guys in the mosh pit with you. All right. Singing along to the same songs that you love. It's just not happening enough right now. So, Garth, keep your chin up. He says, Maker's Mark helps for eight hours, but I wake up realizing that the temporary escape, while uh, worth it, wasn't real. That's right. Those escapes, they are nice time and time, you know, here and there, but reality comes crashing back in sooner or later. Yeah, and it's just, it is tough. I mean, we've been dealing with this for so many years, and the Denver Broncos as a franchise Fans aren't used to this. It's We are a winning franchise. We've been a winning franchise since Pat Bowen took over, and now we've been dealing with this slot for so long. It's tough, and it makes it hard to get through it. But we do our best on all the podcasts to try and be a little bit of a shining light, even though I tend to be on the more negative side of things. But hey. Well, we're not here to blow smoke, right, necessarily. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we're here to, to talk about it, agonize over it, break it down, share our opinions, vent our thoughts and feelings, and exercise the demons. So um, I think you do a great job of all those things, Eric. Rohit jumping in from Canada, proving Broncos country, not a geographic location. It's a state of being. He says trade for a center or guard. Eric, what do you think? He wants to know about Eric Fisher and Daryl Williams for as trade potential trade targets. Um, I think both Eric Fisher and Daryl Williams are free agents, both playing tackles. I would look at Eric Fisher. He had a really good year last year for the Colts starting at left tackle. And Cameron Fleming, well, not the biggest issue. He shouldn't be starting. Like He's your fourth string tackle that got bumped up due to injuries and Calvin Anderson completely falling apart. As for trading for a center or a guard, it'd be nice. But Denver doesn't have that much draft capital to trade with. Yeah, they can turn around. They can get some at other points. But teams are for a player that would make a good difference on this offensive line. You're not going to be able to trade for one because teams aren't going to give them up. Rodney wants to know on Facebook, what draft picks do you think Jerry Judy might be worth in a potential trade? 
well, who knows what the Cardinals would be willing to give for them with how much they love receivers. Um, but in seriousness, I don't think it'd be as much as Bronco fans think. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it would be a day one or day two pick. I think it'd be early day three. Yeah. I mean, let's recount. He had a solid, I mean, from a statistical perspective, he had one of the better rookie receiving seasons in Broncos history for what it's worth. Even though he had all those drop issues that plagued him, especially in the second half of the season, then he gets hurt and misses most of last year, or not most of, I'm trying to remember the exact injury. He was, he was hurt for a lot of last year. And then this year he just can't get on the same page with Russ. He's had a couple of shining moments, but what's he really worth? I don't know, but he's on cost control relative. I mean, he's a, he's a top 15 pick. So, you know, I guess he's not the cheapest of wide receivers out there. I mean, I guess it depends on how you define cost control relative to wide receiver, but yeah, I would say uh best case scenario would be like a, a late second, third round, but a third round pick probably is best case more likely being that he hasn't done squat. I mean, you look at the guys that he came into the league with, the Justin Jeffersons of the world, the CD Lambs of the world. I mean, he's small potatoes to them. Now, granted, Eric, he hasn't had uh, much quarterback consistency, but uh, Phil, what's up, buddy? He says, I read that we released the tight end Dalton Keene, and I did read, but I didn't read who he was replaced with. Also, did we lose Aaron Patrick for the season, MHH for Live Go Broncos? Appreciate you, bro. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Patrick, done for the season, ACL tear. I'm trying to remember on the keen move. I think uh, it was. It was Brandon Johnson. That's right. It was Brandon Johnson on the practice squad. Yeah. So what do you make of Brandon Johnson returning back into the fold, Eric? I mean, it was expected. Um, as soon as he was released with an injury settlement, it was a matter of waiting until however long that got, that was over, and then three additional weeks because of N how NFL rules are. Um. So Denver had to wait a little extra longer and Brandon Johnson was willing to wait because I'm assuming that they had kind of a uh, under the table agreement that they would bring him back for sure. And it's good. I mean, he had a really good showing in the preseason and uh, I'm excited to see what he can continue to do and if he can continue to develop because Denver needs receivers to step up because outside of something, they're not getting it. And maybe at some point the rookie will get a chance and be able to show something. Malcolm Brown, thank you for that super chat, brother. It's great to see you. He says, all five 2023 draft picks that the Broncos currently hold for O-line. Your thoughts? Eric, how how crazy would it be if, let's say, they don't get any more draft picks, and so all they have is the five, and every one of them's on an offensive lineman? I mean, it's possible because of how weak this offensive line is. I mean, realistically, you're looking at upgrading – or finding a starting left guard, you're looking at finding an answer at center and then an answer at right tackle because only things you have beyond this year that are should be cemented as starters is Garrett Bowles, depending on how he comes back from his injury. So that's a question mark there as well. And then Quinn Miners, as long as he continues his development. Your depth is a complete mess. We don't know what we have in quite a few guys, but they're later round picks, so they're not guys that you would really bet on. Um so, I mean, it'd be crazy to see it happen, and I doubt that actually does. But if they did, I would be supportive of it. Check this out. So I'm going to go full screen so people can see this. Now, when we talk about Jerry Judy not living up to expectations, uh, shout out. This is this is Scott, a good producer, doing his, his work here. So in what are we looking at? Yards, all right? This is with everyone drafted in 
it's the same class as oh we need to go receiving yards uh as jerry judy all right this this far into the career so this is 2020 the 2020 class number one most yards receiving since then justin jefferson with that gum almost 3700 yards cd lamb at 2400 t higgins at 23 michael pittman jr outpacing jerry judy with 2000 uh chase claypool at 1900 Darnell Mooney, 1900, Brandon Ayuk, 1800, and then Judy. So he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth most receiving yards, Eric, from that class since 2020. I don't know what that, if it really changes anything we had to say about what its value might be on the, on the trade market, but it's still interesting to see. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it kind of works against him because he was the second receiver drafted and expectations were high for him he was viewed as almost a nfl ready-made receiver because of how good his route running is but and he's does a decent job of getting open i mean he averages like i think 3.4 yards of separation per route run like he does a good job getting open and there is issues with wilson seeing him but the miscommunications the drops and we've already kind of seen this diva attitude from him in his rookie year and still seeing some of it a little bit last year so it's all kind of balances out like the draft value is low for where he was drafted. Naj, a legendary figure. The lore on this man's name in MHH is endless. What's up, bro? Thank you for the super. He says, hey, brothers, seems to me Wilson has lost confidence and isn't trusting what he sees or the routes the receivers are running. I think, I think only he can overcome this and Hackett has to find a way to help him. Will Brett Rippon start Sunday? I'd be stocked, stocked. I'd be shocked and stunned if Brett Rippon starts. I mean, Russell Wilson, yeah, he's he's gonna play unless some th- kind of a unforeseen setback happens. But I'm looking at the injury, uh, the pra- actual practice report, you guys, from uh, today. And Russell Wilson was a, let's look, he was limited. So he was limited all three days of practice this week. If he was DNP today, I'd be like, ooh, I don't know. But he he practiced. I think he'll play. Yeah, it would be shocking. I mean, they traded everything for him. They went and signed him to that big deal. Like, he'll play. And should he play, that's a whole different conversation to have because I don't think he should. Should take that time to get rested. But this is an injury that you can play through, even though hamstrings are tricky and easy to get make – more severe by playing on it it's the investment in them dictates you got to put them out there on the field but as far as his confidence goes and then we'll grab jeff who, who's throwing down some stars on facebook we appreciate you buddy it does seem like something on the intangible level not seem like it is something on the intangible level of perception is wrong with russell wilson and by that i just simply mean look you know, I can say you, you you can touch a guy and go, look, he's six foot. You can measure him six foot one. He weighs this many pounds like that's a tangible thing. You know, it's real. But you start getting the intangible things. It's almost like people who believe if you believe in heaven or the spirit world, 
there's a there's another dimension of being somewhere that we can't perceive here. And that's where intangibles fall. You can't see them. You know what they are when when the when they affect the physical and, you know, you can you know detect them, measure them in some sense. But in the case of Russell Wilson, Eric, I think it's confidence. I think it's um, pressing in terms of like not handling the pressure of things not going well. The, the best, I think, coaching is on some level also largely to blame for this, whether it's simply a, a lack of a spine to have the quarterback do what needs to be done for the for the betterment of the offense, or if it's just a coordinator play caller who just doesn't know his rear end from the you-know-what. I don't know. There's It's this big pot of multiple-choice factors here on the intangible side, and it's hard to know exactly where to point the blame. Yeah, and all we, all I can do and all I do is go off of what I can see on tape, and it all just points to physical limitations. He still has a solid arm. It's not what it used to be. He still has some left in his legs, not what they used to be. And the biggest telling, the biggest um, example of that is he made a career out of his traditional pressures coming from the left side and that spin duck around, rolling out right, rolling out to his left, hitting that deep bomb. That was the magic of Russell Wilson that he did had made such a career out of, but starting in 2019, it just started to falter and get worse and worse and worse, more interceptions, less completed passes, less yards. And so the age is catching up to him. The use of the legs is catching up to him. Um, and he's trying to be something that he isn't and whatever the case that is, it, maybe it is confidence, whatever it is, it's not working. And it's, this is where it becomes on the coaching staff is that Nathaniel Hackett needs to step up and say, again, I'm the head coach. We tried it your way. Now we got to go to what we know can, or what we, to what we think will work better. Jeff Cornelius, Cornelison, Cornelison, Cornelison. Appreciate you, Jeff. What's the likelihood says Jeff of Brandon Johnson, the recently re-signed wide out to the practice squad, making it onto the field. He's a bigger body and played really well albeit even if it was preseason. So I think, Eric, my answer to this is there's a pretty good chance you're going to see him activated in the coming uh, weeks. I don't know exactly what games could be this this game. I mean, the new NFL rules relative to the practice squad are so liberal. I mean, it's so easy for teams to use those guys on game day. But um, barring a significant injury, though, ahead of him on the depth chart, I'm not sure we should really expect to see him on the field all that much unless something like that happens i think that will it'll be a few weeks i think after the bye week if he's going to see the field if he gets called up it might be then um depending on what happens at the trade deadline there's been some rumblings of jerry judy or kg hamler being moved you know potential of injuries all these things could obviously change it but he's just came back to the team was dealing with a ankle injury, I believe, which is what landed on injury reserve and then waived with an injury settlement. Just working back, getting back in football shape, getting things consistent down. Because at one point when um, Tim Patrick first went down, Brandon Johnson was the third re- was the third receiver because KJ Hamler was still working back from an injury. That's right. That's right. And he did acquit himself well. We were all a little bit surprised. He had that injury, though. Remember right toward the tail end of preseason? That's really what got his goat was he got hurt at the penultimate worst time possible. But we all thought he was like, sure, fire, going to make it. Ryan, thank you for the super chat, bro. Uh, He says, start Brett Rippon, sit Wilson to let him get healthy, and then see what happens. 
thoughts. Eric, I thought it was funny, uh, not because I don't think it's, uh, not because I think it's unreasonable, but just because it was funny to me that you're like, hey, it wouldn't if if the Broncos have to play Brett Ripon this week, it wouldn't be surprising to see him to to see the offense actually operate a little bit more um, cohesively, short underneath passes, run the ball, take a shot here and there, let the chips fall. You still, uh, I, I assume you still believe in that take, right? I do. And it's not because I think Rippon is a great quarterback. I mean, I don't think he's a backup quality quarterback at this point. It's simply because with him, you're not going to have this whole issue of he wants to do stuff that the coaching staff doesn't. He wants doesn't want to do his own thing that doesn't fit. The coaching staff, you can then sit there and be like, we know what you can do. We're going to stick with that. And we're going to play to your strengths instead of trying to because you don't he doesn't have the ego or the respect that Wilson has to kind of demand his own way kind of thing. And I think that yeah, that I think that is the reason why I kind of view that view it that way is simple routes, playing to his strengths and just having it be a little more efficient of an offense. I still believe that Russ has a lot better football left in the tank than what we've seen. In other words, I think that Fans should still maintain an optimistic kind of posture on him. I'm not sure we're going to see much of that this year just because I don't think this was the right coaching fit for him. And I'm not even necessarily, Eric, talking about X's and O's, but just like a guy who can not only like vibe with Russell Wilson, get on the same page, bond and all that, but someone who can kind of command Russell Wilson. Because when those two are sitting in a room, you've got nine-time Pro Bowler, right? I've won a Super Bowl. You're a first-time head coach who didn't even call plays for the last three years in your previous coaching stuff. In terms of like ego and power struggles, if indeed Nathaniel Hackett comes to a point or has up to this point where he's got to kind of put his foot down and dig in on something, whether it's no Russ, we're doing this and not doing what you want to, whatever, Russ kind of has the upper hand on him. Like, I don't know. He's got more cachet, I guess, in that sense. And, uh, all those different things combined, which, by the way, I should, we should have, I'll, I'll, I'll speak in the collective on this one. It should have been a little bit more concerning. It's something more that we discussed in the offseason, Eric. I think the fact that the Broncos hired an offensive coach, everyone was so excited that finally it's an offensive coach, but a guy who hadn't called plays for three years. Yeah. Like, we missed that. We, we didn't, we didn't probably examine that aspect of how it could impact things uh, enough. Yeah, and I think that is one issue we're seeing with his play sequencing and filling to set plays up. I mean, uh, to more to your point that you were making about the pedigree that Wilson has compared to Hackett, Hackett's big thing that he has to tout is what he he was able to get with Doug, I believe Doug Marone, out of um, Blake Bortles for a season and a half. Yep. Like, that's, that's what he has compared to Pro Bowls, Super Bowls, like – there's definitely a thing there. And then on top of that is we see it time and time again. The players typically get the benefit, get the edge when it comes to coaches, coaches, you're willing to ship them, but you're going to stick by your player. And especially the player that you just gave $245 million to like the edge is there for Wilson all this, every step of the way, especially in a league where you are, you know, you're really controlled by the demands of the salary cap coaching salaries have no bearing on that and when your owner is now the richest owner in the nfl 
it means even less those contracts that you have to keep paying if you fire a guy, right? Phil, I was looking at Bill, the Bills practice squad, and I was wondering if Greg Mance or Alec Anderson would be better than anyone we have, if you guys know anything about them. I don't. Eric, do you know, what do you know about those guys? Um, Alec Anderson was a guy I didn't mind out of Washington. He's only a rookie, so he's not a guy that I'd be looking at bringing in to start right away. Maybe you can try to develop him a little bit. Greg Mance, I think, if I remember correctly, he's been in the NFL for a few years. I don't know much about him outside of that. Good question, though, Phil. We're having to, we're going to, uh, in that one, we're having to like dig deep and really go through our mental Rolodexes. Um, okay. We're at 33 minutes. We got to keep tonight relatively tight. So, Eric, before we start running out of time here, um, what are some of the other matchups that we you want to go through relative to the Broncos Jets? Because we're spending a lot of time talking about Russ, of course. It's what's on everybody's mind, but there is a game to be played in two days, and there are some matchups, some of which favor the Broncos. Mostly when they do favor, it's a slight edge, and many more favor the Jets. So what am I should, – should I just pull up the article and we go through it, or what do you want to do? Oh, we can just talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah, so the Jets like to run. Their coverages are issues that, that Denver has, if I remember correctly, has had – not so much success against, but, and same thing with the running concepts. They are, the Broncos run a lot of inside zone, all this hype about outside zone. It's still, I believe their second most ran concept inside zone is their big thing that they do. And the jets do such a good job of defending that, that I believe is their second most sex. That is where they are. The concept they are second most successful against. And they just absolutely do a tremendous job about that. I mean, when you have Quinton Williams and John Franklin Myers on the inside, and they have a couple other defensive linemen that are so good as well. Um, if I remember right, they did struggle, do struggle, or more of the at league average against the outside zone. So maybe we see more of that, especially to the right side with Billy Turner back having some experience, having a game under his belt this year. Same with Quinn Miners. Um, and then as for the in the passing game. I'm really interested in watching Cortland Sutton will likely be manned up for with against Ahmad Gardner for most of the game. Ahmad Gardner has been having an outstanding rookie season. Doesn't look like a rookie whatsoever when he's out there on the field. Has allowed only 13 catches, broken up seven, picked off another and picked off another pass. He's been absolutely tremendous. And Cortland Sutton is the only consistent threat. So they can use their other corners, Michael Carter, DJ Reid, who are having good seasons, to work on locking down Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. So I'm just I'm excited to see how if Denver can get something going in the past game. I think this is a good one to go away from what was Russell Wilson wants to do and with what he can do, but I just don't think that'll happen. Yeah, there's there are quite a few uh matchups on on this one that make me uncomfortable. Um I want to come back up here, though, to something that does give me a little bit of hope, and that is uh, – wait, actually, I might need to go the opposite direction. I, I do. Um, that is the Broncos' pass rushers versus, I'm going to say, Zach Wilson and the Jets' pass protection because Wilson, as you write here, Eric, he's a guy that is prone. We saw it last year when the Broncos played the Jets All right, in week three. That was the game K.J. Hamler got hurt. It was also the game we did the MHH meet and greet. Um, but anyway, he, he'll give the ball away if you if you can get after him and, and pressure him. And you're talking about here, Eric, how uh, Elijah Vera Tucker's been moved from tackle uh, front moved from tackle to guard. So how does that affect things for those listening? Well, he moved from 
I believe right guard to or left guard to right tackle, maybe right okay. guard to right tackle. And um, he had a really good first game, but the Packers kind of were a little bit more successful against them. Lincoln Tomlinson, he started off the season really rough. He's starting to bounce back a little bit. And then I can't, I think Connor McGovern is still their starting center and he's been struggling a little bit. Um, Dwayne Brown at their left tackle, he's been struggling. So this is a game where with the Broncos depth of their edge rushers and how they've been able to get some pretty good consistent pressure on the inside with DJ and Draymond Jones. Like this is a game where they can really kind of take over the game. They have to watch out and not get caught getting too aggressive upfield and letting Brees Hall take over. Because if they can slow down uh, Brees Hall and make Zach Wilson try to make Zach Wilson make plays, then it's a game that Denver should be able to walk away with because Zach Wilson has the highest percentage of turnover worthy plays. And yeah, he missed some time there, but it's, I mean, he just consistently puts the ball in bad positions. All right. So I want to get to this. All right. I both you and I predict a Broncos win. Neither one of us are doing that great at predicting Bronco games this year for what it's worth, but you seem to you're on record as a low scoring kind of game of field goals with the Broncos coming out on top. My pick on on the Broncos from a scoring perspective is uh Broncos 20 Jets 16. I don't know, I must have been really feeling my coffee when I wrote that one because <laughs> Broncos getting to 20 points in a game, are you kidding me? But before we say goodbye to everybody, Eric, uh, just some thoughts on why you feel like this really is probably going to shake out to be another low-scoring defensive-type battle. Well, after getting around to watching the Jets game last night, because yesterday morning when I was on with um, Scott, I gave the prediction of 12-9 to for the Jets. After watching the and digging into the Jets a little bit more for my matchup article, I decided to flip it simply because I do think that the Broncos pass rushers will be able to get a little bit more consistent success as pass rushers leading to a little bit more opportunities that maybe even result in a defensive touchdown. I, this is it. I'll be honest. If the Broncos find a way to lose this one and I get it, the Jets, they're four and two, but they're pretenders. All right. They're, they're a team that is out kicking their coverage right now, and eventually those chickens are going to come home to roost just because this this league, as we're seeing on our side of things, is a quarterback-driven league. And if your quarterback is not your tip of the spear, uh, whatever successes you're having, whatever results that are positive, uh, they tend to be fleeting and rather short-lived. So I think that's going to come home eventually in the non-too-distant future on the Jets. They're not as good as their record indicates. They have a really good defense. They have a great defensive line. Um, but if the Broncos don't handle them at home, I'm 100% like off the Broncos train in terms of believing that anything, you know, rational that, that I, I viewed of Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, the talent on this roster, the coaching acumen this team has, before the season started, that's going to 100. It's already almost all out the window. But, like, I'm holding on to a little bit just because I know it's the league. Stranger things have happened. Uh, and more often than you might realize, I mean, this is the NFL. Parity reigns supreme. So this is it for me on the Broncos in terms of, like, really trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. The odds makers view this one, Eric, basically as a coin flip type of game. I'm picking the Broncos. But, golly, if we thought things were bad now and they lose four in a row, oh, dude. I don't know what I don't know how these coaches I don't know how Russell Wilson I mean they'll have to fake another injury 
for us to maybe survive <laughs> the PR crap storm. Well, didn't you see Ian Rapport? It's a real injury and he's in real pain. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you lose to the Jets and you fall to two and five for a team that from internally hyped up playoffs so much, I don't see how the, it would be an extremely like home run kind of thing, like grand slam, whatever for Hackett to be the head coach next year. Like they have plenty of excuses lined up for him with losing the injury, with losing all these players to injuries, Tim Patrick, who was planned to be a huge part of the offense before the season even started. They have all these excuses for it. But from what I've been gathering is there's already pressure coming down on George Payton from the new owners that's fallen down on Hackett. You lose to the Jets. I don't want to say it's 100% certain, but it's just another step closer to Hackett and this coaching staff is gone. And it's a coaching staff that is just full of his friends. And unfortunately, only one of them has really panned out, and that's Evero. Think about this. I said, oh, the Jets, they're better than what their record indicates. The Denver Broncos, sitting at two and four, are one drive away in both those wins from being 0-6. One drive. Think about it. You go back to the Houston game, all right, which they won by the skin of their teeth. It took a fourth quarter gutsy kind of drive after just crap storm of offense all game long. Same thing for the Niners game. And so this team could just as easily, Eric, be 0-6. Now, I'm sure there are people within the sound of my voice this very moment going, yeah, but they're thinking of all the ways the, the ball bounced against Denver in some of those games where they could be like, yeah, but they could also be four and two if this happened and that. You know, we and then we start getting into the, like the circular thing here. But really, the Broncos could be an 0 6 team. Like they're that close to being that bad. Yeah. So, and I'm sorry, they were that bad right away. I, I know that at a certain point, all these injuries to key players, and when it's literally one after another every single week, eventually you can't overcome it. But they were bad, Eric, before the, the real kind of glut of those injuries started falling. I mean, look at this team. How Honestly, the probably the best they've looked was the, the Seattle game, and they didn't look good, and they still had most of their guys in that one. Yeah, and the whole thing with worse or better than your record is, is it is a just a circle of a conversation. Yep. When I look at it, when I watch this team, they are closer to 0 and 6 than they are 4 and 2. A drop touchdown was a deciding factor against the Texans. Like that is such a huge thing there and then a couple of just very close um barely missed opportunities by the 49ers that would have been huge plays, probably touchdowns that Jimmy Garoppolo just couldn't go out there and execute. Like they're so much closer as Jay says, closer to 0 and 6 than 6 and 0. Yeah, I, I would even say closer to 0 and 6 than 4 and 2 because the Raiders, I mean, they still, the Raiders just completely controlled the game, really. Yep. And then the way that they, they lost to the Seahawks is their defense stepped up enough in the second half to slow down that offense more so than anything the offense did. Yeah. Well, guys, we'll see how it pans out. I got to go. Uh, we got to make tonight a little bit shorter than we might normally an episode, but we'll grab one more super chat from Garth, who says, I got to be honest, fellas, when I heard Nate Hackett was hired, all I thought was his father's days at USC when I lived in SoCal didn't, didn't work. Yeah, Hackett didn't have much success 
senior, right? Paul Hackett didn't have much success. I think he had a better reputation as an assistant position guy than he did um, some of the greater roles, coordinator, head coach, stuff like that. I'm not an expert on Paul Hackett's coaching resume, but I don't know. I don't really believe in sins of the father. You know what I mean? I'm sorry in that case. Like I, I wouldn't have judged Hackett. Even if he was the worst coach of all time, Paul Hackett, it wouldn't have affected really how I viewed Nate Hackett, whether or inverse. Like if Paul Hackett, if we're talking about this being the son of uh, Saban, you know, Nick Saban or something, it wouldn't have changed how I viewed the, the hire. Yeah, that conversation and nothing gets you, Garth. I get where you're coming from. It just reminds me of the the judging draft prospects by the school. Mm-hmm. This court, this school never produces a quarterback, so this quarterback can't be good. Like just because all these Ohio State quarterbacks have failed doesn't mean CJ Stroud will. Like all it takes is one. Like there's ways to break it, um, break these weird trends that just happen to be things like that. Um, so yeah, what his dad did has no bearing on what he did as a coach i just think that he is a little too easygoing to really be a coach or be a head coach i think he would be fine as an offensive coordinator if he had somebody who can really run the ship and ahead of him lawrence appreciate you buddy uh with that we're gonna dip on out of here this is the dove valley deep divers podcast every single friday night streaming live 6 p.m mountain 8 p.m eastern follow eric trickle on twitter at Eric Trickle, myself at Chad N. Jensen, and our producer Scott Kennedy at Scout Kennedy on Twitter. Don't forget to capitalize on the NordVPN offer. Go to nordvpn.com slash MHH to capitalize on that link is in the description of this video. And then we're uh, MHH is off as far as podcasts tomorrow, but we'll be back in the saddle Sunday for the gut reaction. So keep your chin up. We'll see how uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. We'll see what kind of conversations are to be had next week. But Eric, thanks for uh, the opportunity to hang out and talk football with you, bro. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Have a great weekend. And uh, hopefully next time we're able to chat, we're able to chat about, you know, a little bit better showing from the Broncos than we've been seeing from your lips to the ears of the football gods for Eric. I'm Chad. Keep your chin up Broncos country. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.